BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Welcome. This is where we go beyond the scenes. The Daily Show was like the regular situation. You ever seen like, like a shark, right? And then it'd be that little fish attached to the shark. That's what we are. We're the little podcast that swims along with the great white Daily Show mothership. And we just give you extra little nibbles on existing projects that we've done, past projects that we've done. Uh, this week, we're talking to someone that I consider comedy a comedy holy grail, respectfully, because I know he's about to make a noise when I say that before I introduce his ass. But see, <laughs> shut up, Lewis. I'm trying to introduce you. <laughs> like, when a story falls through the cracks, this man is there hiding in the curb like a little evil. Remember that? What was that clown? Pennywise. Yeah, he's there like the it clown monster to gobble up those stories that fall through the cracks that we don't have time to get to in the regular parts of the show. I, I want to know if he's always sick of picking up these types of stories. Uh, we're talking about Lewis Black, back in black. When I was a kid, there were certain things you learned in school. One plus one equals two. And you get to watch TV the rest of the day if the president gets shot. But most importantly, facts were facts. That's why we called them facts. But these days, from Facebook to the White House, reality is optional. And here's the ultimate proof. We're also learning more about a bizarre conference in Denver. There are ads taking over the airwaves and billboards going up along the highways. The event is for people who don't believe the earth is round. It turns out Colorado has a high concentration of the so-called flat earthers. Oh, what a surprise! <laughs> Colorado, where there's not enough oxygen and tons of weed. <laughs> of course they think the earth is flat. I'm surprised they don't think the Earth is a chalupa inside a snow globe. We're going to get to the bottom of this man, what makes him click, why these stories are important to him. We're going to go beyond Back in Black. It is my pleasure to welcome the host of the longest running segment on The Daily Show, Lewis Black. Welcome to Beyond the Saints. I've been waiting so long for us to do a podcast. I thought... Really, what was left? What frontier should we cross? <laughs> yeah, I could imagine you just you're like I, you. You're interesting in that you get to avoid a lot of the day to day rigmarole of the Daily Show. Like you don't have to figure out Zoom mics and cameras and what link is for what live feed thing that we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Like in that regard, you're kind of free. 
Lucky, I'd even say. Yeah, no, I've I've always been kind of a I, I was kind of independent of it for a long time, for for quite a long time. I didn't ha- I don't have an you know, but there's sacrifices I make, Roy. You know, no office. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to be there. I show up the day of. Um, it's <laughs> they send me my thing. I look at it. We exchange stuff back and forth and. Uh, so for that, it's been good. I, I you know, and uh, but as of late, you know, over the past, you know, over the, during the pandemic, I've had to deal with this Zoomerama nonsense. And uh, now you're the longest running contributor in the history of the Daily Show. You go back to the OG 1996 inaugural season before there was an audience. Wait, the Daily Show didn't. Have, well, damn, we didn't come full circle now. Yeah, there was no there, audience. There, well, I guess that makes sense because the old school local news, like there's no, the Daily Show was created to parody the local news. Like, I don't even think it was really parodying cable news yet until the war on terror started kicking up after 9-11. Like, that makes sense because the local news station definitely does not have an audience, though that would be absolutely odd if they yeah. did. But it was kind of a larger, it was more than just the local news. It was kind of a, um, in a way it was, and in a way it was kind of the national news of the local news. It was the national news segment of the local news. So we would, they would cover, they would go out and cover these stories. But I literally, um, there was no, uh, we did it at uh, Channel 13 is the studio we used. Um, it was small. And, uh, and I would sit at that, this desk and I had, uh, I didn't write it out. I would do it. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd improv it. Then I, then they'd come up, uh, Liz and Hank, uh, Liz Winstead, Hank Gallo, and they'd go, keep that, drop that, do this. That'll be a nice touch. Oh, here's something you could add. Let's do it again. Then I'd do it again. Great. Let's do this and this and this. And then I think we got it. And usually three or four takes, we'd have it. (laughs) It was crazy. It was really fun. But did you know what this was going to be when you started doing it, dog? Like when you, when they first came to you and Liz Winstead, comes to you, one of the co-creators of The Daily Show, the great Liz Winstead. She goes, Lewis, I love what you do. We want you to do it over here. Was it just, fuck it, this is just another thing to do? Because also, this is the early days of Comedy Central as well. Like, Comedy Central as a network had only been on air, I think, maybe four years? Maybe. Give or take? Yeah. It was, um, I didn't know, I knew, A, it was was an income, so I was excited about that. I had... I didn't have anything consistent. I'd only done a few stand-up shows where, you know, you come on and you do your six minutes, like stand-up spotlight or whatever they, you know, whatever they were, you know, Caroline's. I'd done a couple of those. So I wasn't sure, but I thought that the idea was right because it's an idea that I'd pitched a hundred times. And everybody always said, well, you know, and this was always the answer, you know, politics aren't funny. That was always the thing, and I was always That's like, "That's crazy, isn't that unbelievable?" That was what <laughs> that was what I would hear, and I, I mean, I didn't, you know, I pitched it three or, to three or four uh, networks, and it was like, you know, but let's do a show, and we can, you know, it, it, it started with that was the week that was, you know, which was more of just uh, kind of a um, pop culture, like a review sketch thing, yeah. you know, and the, and the Smothers Brothers had their kind of thing, and. Um, but this, I, but I always thought, boy, you could really do kind of a uh, let's do a parody. And Liz got it on the air. 
I feel like Weekend Update was the only thing that was even remotely close right. to something that parodied the news. But even yeah. that with SNL, they weren't political. Right. They would dabble if the, if it was in the zeitgeist, but that wasn't their like North Star. Right. And so it was really, uh, Liz really amazingly got it up and on the air. And I got the gig because I was working clubs and had, and Liz and, and Hank knew me and uh, I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't get, people would always go, you should really have an agent. Wow. You know, how come you don't have an agent? And I wow. go, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me what, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you do this. I mean, uh, and so they would, uh, but they knew that I had material that nobody heard. I had a pounds and pounds of material that nobody ever heard. And they needed stuff. So speaking of stuff that nobody's ever heard, we have a clip right now that I want to play. Uh, this is from your first ever appearance on The Daily Show. This is from season one, episode six no. of The Daily Show. Let's roll it. You know, I've been uh, laying around this past uh, week or so watching the Olympics, and, and I got to tell you something. You know, how stupid are we as a culture to sit there, lie down for like eight or nine hours on a Saturday or a Sunday, and watch perfect specimens of humanity do things that are absolutely astounding. While I lay there, you know, just like eating, to the eating, the just eating. You know what happens after about two hours of that? I just feel like a big fat pig. I am tired of it. I'm tired of the Olympics. I'm tired of the interviews. There's no reason on earth for it. What are they asking these people? The swimmers, they're in the, they've been in the pool eight, 12 hours a day since they were four years old. Their brains are chapped. And, and, and while we're on the subject, these gymnasts, their brain casings, they, they've got the brain casing of a Doberman, for crying out loud. And, and they don't menstruate. The women don't menstruate, and that isn't right. Okay? Now, I've got to say that at least now I understand how they get these kids to do it. Because if I was five years old, and they told me, well, you're going to be bleeding every month, and then they said, but there's an option, I'd be doing backflips for the rest of my life. What's, what's so beautiful about that, for the people listening who can't see that yet, it's really 60-minute Andy Rooney in the setup, in a way, where you've got the little, the half-eaten sandwich on the desk, you've got your laptop open, and you're just cantankerous and just... <laughs> Andy Rooney on acid. Do you have a favorite rant that you've done? Because the thing that I love about you, and you were one of the people that I studied when I... So when I got hired at The Daily Show... I put every past correspondent under a microscope. Every correspondent that had pretty much ever set foot, even the ones that were only on for a season. Like, I didn't know, here's some Daily Show trivia. Dave Attell yeah. was a short-lived contributor <laughs> to yeah. the Daily Show. Um, but what I noticed about you is that you were one of the correspondents that in my opinion, you're that in real life. Like there was no there didn't seem to be a heightening of who you are. Like like the average correspondent plays an extreme version of it. Like Stephen Colbert on The Daily Show, he was not, hence the fact that he can go and do The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and not be, you know, that original Stephen Colbert that we knew from The Daily Show. He toned it down a little bit, but you, you seem to be the same on and off camera. Do you have a favorite rant that you've done? Well, I mean, I did. Uh, there were a number of them that I really was uh, were attached to. I mean, you know, it's I did so many, but the one that I I thought that where I went and it was not I, I didn't have much to contribute to it. It was somebody wrote uh, the one about Texas. Listen, Texas, 
trying to steal jobs from Illinois and California are one thing, but you're going to try to trash talk about New York? Not on my watch. It's time to fight fire with fire. This is New York, the city that never sleeps. People come here from all over the world for the freedom to live as they choose, for the variety of cultures, but most of all, for the fact that it's not Texas. You say everything is bigger in Texas? We have a 300-foot green beacon of liberty, and you have a whatever the f this thing is. It was blistering. And I read it, and we finished, and I went, it was the first time I went, ever said these words aloud, because you never can, you never know. And I went, this is going to go viral. And it did. Wow. And I love the, the, the Nazi Tourette's with, um, with what's his name, that schmuck. Glenn Beck. Yes. Glenn Beck. In, in his, in the Nazi Tourette's thing. Arizona sure is putting the AZ in Nazi, aren't they? Oh, didn't think it was going to be him, did ya? Glenn Beck is offended. Glenn Beck thinks playing the Nazi card is going too far. Glenn Beck. This is a guy who uses more swastika props and video of the Nuremberg rallies than the History Channel. For God's sake, he compared global warming to Nazi Germany. That was Hitler's plan. His enemy, the Jew. Al Gore's enemy, the UN's enemy, global warming. I'm not accusing Al Gore of being a Nazi or anything like that. Yes, you are! You just did it! Are you method? Like, how do you get this cretankerous and that riled up about sometimes it's stuff that makes sense and stuff it's sometimes it's like, wow, that dude is really upset about the Olympics. I thought the Olympics was supposed to just make us happy like do you stub your toe and then that's when you start writing like what's your inspiration how do you get in your zone to be annoyed and go middle finger to america well because it was all the big discovery as you know as a comedian um i think is is that finding that moment where you go oh that's why that's where i'm funny that's my that's i'm funny when i'm angry that was it it took a long time to find it and you're always kind of backing off it. You kind of go, well, you know, I can't really be angry. And it was finding that, that the, kind of that separation. If you're really angry, well, then you're, you know, Kevin McCarthy or any number of politicians. <laughs> but, but as a comic, you've got to have, be able to take that so that they know you're playing it. You can cross the line, but you can't be out over that line for a long time. <laughs> After the break, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that, about what it means to be angry, because I do think that there's a lot of the idea of what comedy is now is to just be angry with the absence of a punchline. And that's something that I, I feel like we've talked about this before in the makeup chair from time to time, yeah. you know, in the before times when we could be in a close quartered makeup room. Like I... Just hold that thought because I have a question about that. And I want to ask you about your fans. I, I got questions about the type of fans you have. This is Beyond the Scenes. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Let's talk more about these times now. How have you changed? How has the character changed? Because I believe from 1996 to now, politics in the state of this country has only become more and more outrageous. You said to the Washington Post, and I'm going to read because I don't want to get this quote wrong. Quote, I am a happy person, but an angry citizen. To get angry at the world around us is the most sane reaction you can have. End quote. When did you start becoming more angry at the world? Because it's one thing to be mad about the Olympics in 96 and talk about a gymnast who won gold and congratulate her. And, and then another thing to go through the war in Iraq and then the 20 years in Afghanistan. How has the character evolved? Like, how were you able to still find funny amidst real rage on things that people really should be upset about? Part of it was is that my act, one thing, my act always began, um, and, and and even like that, that the show even has, you know, the, the, I'll do something like that Olympics thing, and there's other stuff that I've done that's kind of like, where I'll start, I'll be screaming about the weather for five minutes, which is like complete, I will scream about, I equate, partly I equate everything as a reason to be enraged, you know? It's, it's, you know, look at this. You've got a weatherman out there, you know, Al Roker is standing in the midst of a storm, you know, really, and telling people not to go out, but he's standing in the, what are you kidding me? So, it, and it's not that, you know, and there's no reason for the, the rage to be the equivalent of my rage over, over, over Dick Cheney, but somehow being able to, but it, it kind of all bled in for me. It, it, it all kind of moved through it. It allowed uh, folks to know that um, it's the same anger. When you look at the way we are now as a society, though, like why do you think America really is as angry as they are about things? 
or is it just this counterculture reaction? Like when you look at, let's just take right now, mask in schools or boom, mandatory vaccinations. Let's just start there. Are people really that upset or is it just, no, I want to be argumentative for the sake of being argumentative? Do you think the rage that we have as a country is real or to manufacture it for the sake of argument? I think it's what um, gets somebody's uh, notice so that they're, that's to me where it comes from. And it, and, and the, the former leader, whose name I will not mention, um, kind of set the tone for that. And then people went, wow, that's right. I could really just say, you know, this thing, I could really kind of launch. So that I think in part, you know, it's, I mean, you know, you, when, you, when you look at, you know, the, what gets views is some psychotic, you know, ranting on about nonsense. And, uh, uh, and, and, and so they get these views. They also, they've not been in the public square for so long that they've forgotten how to act in the public square. So that they feel as if somehow when you're on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or hoo-ha or boo-boo or fuck not, whatever the, your choice is, that, you know, that that's the same thing. And it's not. Because you're not in an office with somebody that you've worked with for a year and a half who you completely disagreed with. But when it came down to you two figuring out how to get some a project done, you didn't worry about the, you know, whether it was, a, you know, you didn't worry about any of the other stuff. You didn't worry about what, the way they felt about the war in Iraq. All you cared about was getting the project done. We're not, and that, all of that kind of working together has been kind of, Okay, so then when you look at rage comedy, which I don't know if that's a real genre, but comedic ranting, where there is a structured argument and you present facts and punchlines within what you're stitching together versus, and I'm talking about political satire as a whole, not just the Daily Show, all of our other contemporary, every other show that does something in that universe of what we do, there's an element of anger, but you're using comedy to to, you know, to make it palatable for someone right. to actually ingest the information. Is there a difference between that and just actual straight up rage rage where people just get on stage or just get on TV and go, that's that's why there's sometimes there's this line blurred between punditry and political satire that I think sometimes is a little it's a little gray. And I think if I'm going to be honest, I think it waters it down for a lot of comedians because people will call that comedy and it's not, it's just someone saying agreeable shit. It's someone yelling agreeable shit or counterculture shit without any clear structure to it. Yeah. No, I think that what, what the comedy allows, the difference between just rage and rage with the joke is the joke allows someone to then step back it gives them a chance to breathe and go, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that they don't get caught up, you know, that they know that they're being like, oh. oh. <laughs> Step back for a second from it. One of the things that I stopped immediately trying to do, that I said I'm not doing this, is I was not going to be on a show with pundits um, almost immediately. I, when they would put me on a show and it would be like me and maybe um, – you know, somebody from you know, somebody Christie or whoever, yeah, some elected yeah. official, some talking head from the cable network, right? Like two or three others, and I kind of I did it a couple of times. You know, where I kind of went, oh, I'll I'll do this. I'm the, uh, you know, thinking 
they'll know I'm the funny one because one would think they're smart and they're not because they've got points to score. And all I want is I thought I was there to kind of go, and then let's move on. You know, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm making a fart noise and then we can go ahead. And, uh, but they never did. And so I did it a few times. And then I said, no, if you want me, I come on as a comic by myself and I'm a comedian. That's fair. You talk to me as a comic because I don't want to get caught up in that pundit role. I've been doing this fucking uh, rant cast where I kind of sit at home and, and by myself in what I call my, my I, I, I consider it like being on a cable access show. In, <laughs> what you're seeing right now, this is it. Yeah. And I've got this camera and this microphone and I go for 30 minutes and I've tried to write it and I don't, and, and I'll write sections of it and I'll have some funny stuff in it, but without an audience who are the guardrails to my ranting, I find myself in that weird position of saying things that I normally, I'm yelling about stuff and I don't have the jokes that I would have before because the audience isn't there to bounce off of. And that drives me nuts. But I do in part feel like um, this is, I'm going to say something because I've been thinking about this and I don't know how you feel from time to time about what's going on. But from time to time, I think, you know, these assholes who are doing what they're doing, they don't deserve to have what's coming out of their mouth, their actions or anything else. Um, They don't, they don't deserve, uh, they don't deserve a joke. You know, it ennobles, that's ennobling. They don't deserve the the stuff that they're doing. What they deserve is a spanking. Yeah, these are adults. Fun of because you only roast the ones you love. That's what Jeff Ross told me. Yeah, because it's one thing to yell about that group of morons that are in in Congress. Because people are always like, "Well, you know, you're a political comic." No, what I yell about is what those fuckers do to the other people, and now the other people have been infected. So I've, I've found it, and it'll be interesting going back on the road, which I'm doing now, to figure out, and you've done this, and I, I, I'd love to know what you've been thinking, is, is, is how you deal with those, that group now that, are in, that these, the, the folks who come to see you are watching these folks that are infected. There is definitely a different feel to a live show when I bring up certain topics that are already divisive in the world, but I'm at least given half a beat to see, let's see where he goes before I yell out something. I was down in Texas. We, we can talk about it off air because I don't, because yeah. if I don't, if I don't explain the joke properly right now, yeah. <laughs> ooh, what you said? Yeah. There, there's definitely a feel. So then to that point, if you're arguing all these points, why not just rant about squirrels on skis or stupid pet videos? Which would you rather? Do you, do you like being in the shit like this? And going off about a failed occupation of Afghanistan? Or would you rather talk about some stupid fight that happened at a McDonald's? No, I'd rather talk about the, the fail. I'd rather talk about stuff that, that kind of matters. And then, and then sprinkle it in with that really, you know, some good stuff. You know, <laughs> stuff that's goofy. I, I also like the really goofy stuff that I can get my, my hands on. What are your feelings? Um, this is the last question before the break for you, sir. How do you feel news satire has changed from 1996 till now? 
Like people always say they get their news from the, the more people get their news from the Daily Show than any other. Do you feel that responsibility? Did you feel that shift in the show? Like, how do you think the genre, how do you think the, think the show has changed? And, you know, coming up on 30 years, uh, well, 25 year anniversary this year. How do you think the show has changed in 25 years and just political satire as a whole? I think I think that uh, the show has changed in the sense of what each host brought to it. I think that um, that's certainly part of it. Um, that, uh, that that John brought his view, and John John made it into a the show is, a, and I basically realized that my I was kind of a freewheeler initially. I could okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. John came in, and it was going to be within the con- each show was going to be a show in and of itself, beginning, middle, and an end. So. When I would come on, my stuff would be in concert with whatever he had would put together. So if it was really, sometimes it would be like, woo, and then I'd come on and go, da 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 and sometimes it would be, uh, he'd go off in another direction, and I'd come in with a with a crusher. Um, so it was all it was all structured, and he was very hands on. And then you get to to uh, to Trevor. And I feel that he brought a worldview to the show that we didn't really have before, that we had in in kind of just that sense that we have, you know, that you and I and John, we try to bring it to it, but, you know, it's like there's only so far we can go that Trevor really has, you know, a sense of because he watched it, he watches up from the outside. I think the thing that's dope about Trevor is that he he's able to capture the Americanization of foreign cultures and how much more interconnected foreign foreign affairs are to our domestic affairs look after the break i i i gotta give you some flowers after the break but i also want to ask you about what you're feeling now like to that whole point of what you're going out you know what damn it we're gonna talk about the topics we're gonna talk about what we talking about on stage damn it okay i'm not scared <laughs> i think well, we can all, we can always cut it no that's a coward move are you telling me you're a fucking coward no, huh? I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out there so that the people who are watching will think, God, yeah. that's what they said. Imagine yeah. what they cut. <laughs> Beyond the scenes. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower 
power further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let Facet flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding Facet immediately put us at ease. Facet's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us Facet for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit Facet.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current Facet members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Beyond the scenes, we are back. I'm talking with Lewis Black, the owner, proprietor, and are you the creator of the Back in Black segment? Are you the soul? Because, you know, it's weird in the building. Sometimes you can pitch something that's not your idea and kill it. And then sometimes, like, because you can either pitch the idea or sometimes the idea is pitched to you. But for as long as it's a good idea, it's going to get on. How did Back in Black even come to be? Or was it just Lewis yell at camera for two minutes? Go. Yeah, so I, um, it was rolling along, and then they were, started to give me some some stuff to edit. I finally said, okay, I'm going to go where it's a Christmas party. I'm going to go network, a, a word that I hate. and <laughs> something that I hate to do. I'd never you done it. You to go schmooze? Yeah, I was going to try to talk to the folks about what I really w- was interested in doing. Can't remember if Liz was around. I cannot remember where we were in space and time at this point. But I went and, and, and talked to one of the guys and said, you know, what I'd really like to do is at the end of the week, what I want to do is like a, a, a five-minute recap of the news of like everything that happened. So that on that Thursday or whatever, well, I would do, uh, the, it would be, uh, that would be back in black or whatever you wanted to call it, that I would then kind of go through news of the week. Because what I was noticing was at that point, we were throwing away pounds of great jokes. I mean, they would take jokes out of some of the stuff that I was doing, even if it had nothing to do with politics or anything else. I'd go, wow, this, or I'd watch the way they would edit stuff that was coming through the pike. I'd go, Okay, so you didn't do that. You just dropped three jokes that you can use again. These are the three jokes that I can deliver. And I thought that'd be great. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. It was kind of, because I was getting, I'd always felt I wanted to do weekend update and I, that never happened. So it was like, that was, <laughs> it seemed to be a good position. And then they came back with, well, what we're going to do is back in black. And we're going to take all of these uh, videos we got. They're wacky and they're crazy. We're going to dump them on you. And you'll work with some writers and we'll put together these back in black segments. And I went, okay, well, that, the that isn't really okay. what I wanted to do. But, you know. But look at you now, 25 years later. Yeah, no, it worked. Fucking killing it. Yeah, they were it right. <laughs> it wasn't like it worked against me. It was like, having, I mean, the thing was, it was like having a commercial. Being on that show for the, especially the first couple of years. Yeah, it's it's definitely a very creatively collaborative space. The Daily Show. I didn't like. I'll be honest. I didn't like the mustache idea for me doing CP time at first. 
I like they were like, well, we want to do a segment where we talk about, you know, little known black history and it'll all live there. So we don't have to because I was we were constantly pitching field pieces about what about this black thing you didn't know? What about this black person? We're like, well, let's just put all of that in this one thing. And I was like, cool. And then they went and mustache. And I was like, what the fuck? Why do I have to have a mustache and tweed jacket and sweater and glasses? You will look old. These facts are only delivered by someone that is old. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. All right, let's give it a shot. And yeah. it's like you said, it, it works out. And I, that's why yeah. it's a team. So what are you getting worked up about these days? Like, what is Lewis Black? What's in your cutting room floor? that doesn't make it on the show? What are the things of late that you go, oh, I really that, but fucking there's not enough time. Well, I mean, it's been tough because I, I literally have not been on the road working. So um, I will go out, I've done one show, Roy. One. You know, since, since, last, since March, 2020. Yeah. One. I couldn't do it. I, I just didn't want, I didn't, A, I am, a, uh, an, a, there was no way to do it because I have an underlying condition. So it was like, until they came up with the vaccine, the idea of, I mean, I could go to pods, but I, it, the idea of like, okay, you know, I was invited to work at uh, Dave Chappelle's place, you know, and we, they oh, had yeah, the Ohio farm yeah. shows he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, here's my problem. I, if I'm starting to work, I need to work. I need to know I'm going to work the next day and then the next day. Cause if I start working, I need to start working on my next special because what happened was, is I did my last special was the last show I did. So mm -hmm. I need to start and I, it doesn't help me to do one show. So I did the one show to get started. And then I thought I'm going to, and then I had some, other things I was doing with the the Rancast and some other things. And then I thought uh, in September, I'm going to have, I'm going to work clubs for a month, right? Well, two of the clubs I ain't going to go work. One was uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And it's, uh, and I'm not putting, it's 32% vaccination rate. And the, yep. and they haven't vaccinated, the, the staff's not vaccinated. Well, also, it's 37%. Uh, my home state is up to 37% vaccination rate. I'll have you know. Oh, that's 37. We're still dead last, but it's 37%. Respectfully continue. And then it was, and then I was supposed to go to Omaha. That's the same situation. It's even worse because they, they came out with a map. And these are all clubs I really wanted to play badly. I loved Huntsville, but there was, a, I'd actually done a, um, kind of a, a short pilot that was that really got stopped because of the pandemic about, uh, I wanted to do a travel show of places that I thought were fascinating and the history was fascinating. And Huntsville's history is extraordinary. It is the fastest growing city in the state of Alabama. It has the most jobs, it has the most growth. NASA, Space Force did Huntsville uh, yeah. a lot of favors. Yeah. In and terms then, and, of industry. And then also that the Nazis, uh, who they brought there, kind of uh, ended up forcing integration. It's a remarkable yeah. story. I mean, it's just a rem So I kind of got fascinated with it and wanted to go back and enjoyed working there. And it's a really bright audience. That went out the window. Omaha, map of the United States come out, all of the places there are hotspots, all the states, what's, what's going on. Omaha won't send information out, so it's just white. <laughs> well, that was good. <laughs> and how good Precinct's is that? Precinct's not Just reporting. Yeah. 
So you're like a prize fighter. Once you start getting into fight shape, you cannot take time off. And there has to be a constant regular sparring sessions from city to city to get you up that way. Because what I'm going to start with, I know what I'm starting with. I'm starting with the way I dealt with the first the first year of the but uh, what I did when I did my show, the the first show I did, I went through the history of what happened when I walked into my apartment on March fifteenth, and then you know, and kind of like you know, with jokes and stuff, you know, that I, yeah. I, you know, that sitting there raging at the fact that these people, what do you mean, you, how are these people experiencing a renaissance of the human spirit? That's bullshit. Are, are you kidding me? I feel like in a way, like your rants, you're like a ghost with unfinished business on earth and you've just got to keep just knocking down <laughs> fucking shit. You're like, I got to take care of that. I got to take care of that. <laughs> like, like, like if you ran out of ranch, you would just disappear. Like you just, all right, my word. It'd be like the end of Quantum Leap where you fixed every life <laughs> and, and you get to go home. That I think will then take me, as you well know, when you're working on something, that'll take me into of my response to the way they're acting toward the vaccines, you know, that then I'll find those jokes as I roll along, you know, uh, and that I've already kind of worked on bits by bit. Cause I don't, I write on stage, Roy, I'm psychotic. See, I can't do that. I have to sit and like polish and figure out every little angle that I'm trying to. Yeah, but that's great. Put together. Like, I, no, because it makes you too neurotic. It makes you down to the punctuation when you're performing. And it makes me too performative where you're more connected and in the moment. If I can nail the polish and perform it as if it just blurted out of my mouth, that's the perfect middle ground for me. But I'm on stage so busy. Oh, no, I forgot to say that sentence before this sentence. So the next three sentences will not track logically. So I need to figure out a way to backtrack to the, all while words are actively coming out of my mouth. That's what's happening in my head, where it seems like you are just going, and another thing, motherfuckers. Yeah, well, that's kind of it. And then but I, I have the thoughts. I think about the thoughts. This is what I'm gonna yell about. And then I start there. And I did start to, to, to write some stuff, you know? Um, but it was all leading to stuff that it would be like, I need the audience there to go. I go, da-da-da-da. What? What do I say next? And then I, I can hear it when I have them there. One key that's, that I don't know if this will help you, and uh, we're all the young comics who are listening today, but I don't know if this will help. But one thing you got to realize, they don't know. You're the only one who knows. So if you screw it up, they don't know you screwed it up. So you can't, you can't sit there and judge it. You know, you can't be, you know, that's you directing yourself while you're up there. When I found out you got cast in the Pixar movie Inside Out as anger, I was like, oh, perfect. But then I also thought, well, he could do a lot of voice work and a lot of animated work. Do you think your anger carries well over into the, like, do you want to do more animation or, or are you a guy like in real life, you know, your demeanor just doesn't lend itself to just parents coming up to you and just going, hey, I love you. I love the way you cuss in that DreamWorks film. No, I, it, it, I, I've done a, a, a bits and I've been, I, here's one for you. I've been Santa Claus the last four, it, it, four times on uh, SpongeBob. I was the voice of Santa. <laughs> SpongeBob? Oh, I should have known you'd have something to do with this. Santa Claus, 
Well, Santa, you know the saying, where SpongeBob goes. I know, trouble follows. I was gonna say laughter follows. <laughs> they just call. Would you be Santa? Sure. You kidding me? I'd like to do more because I like it. Um, and uh, I really enjoy it. The um, and, and Pixar was great. I mean, it, it's just a great, you know, it's the, the, the world's greatest gig. Well, I'm excited to see what you have planned for us when you get back out on the road. You've always been one of my favorites. You've always been one of the comedians that I've studied because I I felt like I've always had some sort of weird, you know, Entertainment Weekly one time described me as charismatic crankiness. And I think that that applies to you as well, sir. And when I tell you I love you, I mean it. Thank you so much for going beyond the scenes with me and giving us a window into your anger. I will leave you now to scribble down whatever it is you're pissed about right now on a napkin so you can come do that at our studio. Thanks, Roy. It's a, I'm, I'm really pleased we got time together. And I look forward to the, the time when we can actually sit down yes, sir. And, and spend a little time together. And I've been watching you do your do you know you work in a way and uh, and I do have to say this because the the audience may not know this but we are we are intertwined forever because of finding your roots I uh, yeah. We'll have to talk about that next time man damn we were on okay. the same episode of finding your roots and I discovered a lot Whew. they edited one of the parts where I really cried that shit was heavy yeah, no, it was really remarkable. We should actually do a segment on that because it was really for both of us. And then I went, I get Mark Marin as my secret person. You get John Lewis. What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> <laughs> well, Marin is also charismatically cranky. <laughs> so it yeah, makes so. sense. I mean, I like Mark, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Roy. Take care. Are you enjoying yourself? Well, if you are, you can do podcast things like liking and subscribing and leaving nice notes where you say how comforting my voice is. Yes, comforting. Be sure to watch The Daily Show with Trevor Noah weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes on Paramount+. Plus. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details.